0: Hello, everybody. My name is Jeremy Franchese. Thank you so much for tuning into First Floor Conversations, where the view at the top is only as good as the foundation which preserves it. Today, we're talking about how data will be the difference of you exceeding your 2019 marks or missing the target. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for stopping by for episode 26. Um, Today we're talking about data, but not necessarily in the way uh, you may expect. Right now, it's about mid-September. And what that means for a lot of companies and a lot of executives is they're in a mixed period. They're in a challenging part of the year because they're responsible for two things. One is closing out the year strong. They still have a mark to hit. But they're also in this strange position where they're beginning to turn the corner into 2020 planning, which is a very challenging part of the year because you're expected to accelerate and hit your target while also dividing attention to make sure that you're turning uh, uh, the right levers to map to 2020 goals and expectations. And I want to take a step back and break down both scenarios, because ultimately we only have so much time in a day. We only have so much, uh, 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 so many resources at our disposal that if we're incapable of executing both, we either end the year strong and compromise Q1, or we compromise the year and targets in attempt to hit Q1 and accelerate the start of the 2020, that that January first year. And very few companies are able and capable of doing both. And so one part and i want to break this down into two things first and foremost how do we make sure we hit the mark well in with respect to data have you been tracking the core the key numbers you need to know if you're on track right most people have heard the phrase you can't turn a train 90 degrees Right? Maybe not the most creative expression, but the point stays valid, right? These companies, whether you're two employees, 20 employees, or 200 employees, you can't always change focus and energy, resources, collaboration, and get things to change on, on a whim, right? So if you're hitting September, you're below your numbers. Maybe you lost a big client. Maybe something changed. You had to readdress. Maybe there's a competitor eroding market share. You can't always In a blink, take a 90-degree turn and continue, right? Especially if if you have 50 employees, 100 employees. If you have a lot of moving pieces, it's even more challenging, right? And so rather than looking at the people, let's take a step back and look at the numbers, right? Rather than looking at the driver, let's look at the speed you're driving at, right? That'll help us understand if you can stop in time, right? And so in looking at how you accelerate to the end, Depending on what organization you're in, let's look at, right? If you're a sales-driven organization, the simplest way to look at it, right? Any any sales-driven organization, are you pitching enough people, contacting enough people, how many people in your pipeline, what's the value of those people, and based on whatever close percentage, are you converting at the highest rate, right? If you're in an organization that is not looking at those numbers, how can you possibly correct things so that you correct things that are not moving in the right direction, how do you isolate the levers by which you uh, need to, uh, excuse me, how do you address the, the, the key pieces that you need to make things, uh, uh, get? How, how do you get them where you need to go? And so I want to I look at this from a personnel perspective. A lot of people, when they come through the end of the year, they're evaluating their own. People are looking at their own performance reviews. They're looking as an employee getting that merit increase saying, well, I only got, only got a 2.5% increase. Maybe my, my boss and my leadership doesn't think much. Unemployment's the lowest it's been in 30 years. Amazon has 30,000 job wrecks open. Why don't I go look to see what else is out there? Right? As you look to close out the year, your human capital, your employees are ultimately the driver. Right? People aren't there working. How can you possibly correct, let alone sustain? And so in looking at data and closing out the year, I implore executives, accessing data that helps you understand if you're competitively positioned, Right, is your workforce competitive with respect to what you're providing to them? This isn't just about are you overpaying people? This is about what are the other factors, right? because it's not all about money right? We did a a Gallup ran a study, right? If you're not familiar with Gallup, um, they do a lot of research. They publish a lot of insights, a lot of information, a lot of studies. Uh, They published a study not not too long ago. And I think you'll find it interesting. When executives were polled, they said 86 to 89% of employees would leave for higher pay. They thought pay was the driver between staying and leaving. However, when polling the employees of said companies, 12% said that they would leave for higher pay. This tells me two things. It tells me the executives are not gathering the right data. right? They don't have an actual pulse on their employees because they think it's coin-operated when their employees are saying otherwise. But it also says that they haven't built an infrastructure that's conducive to gathering feedback because it's easier as an employee to leave for a better job and say, I got a better offer than to say, my boss is a dick. Because you haven't built an infrastructure for communication and constructive feedback where they can impact the organization and correct the course, to accelerate, to change management styles so that people aren't brushing with a broad stroke. They're tailoring things to the one a one-on-one mentality. Everybody has a different culture. Everybody has a different feel. But the principle is... In that realm, employees and, and companies that are saying, we got to accelerate and hit their goals, if they think that compensation is the leader and the gasoline to the fire, right? Good old shark take, like Mr. Wonderful, I want to find an engine that's running and pour gasoline on it. Well, executives that think money's the mover, most of the time, based on the numbers, are going to be sadly mistaken, right? Now, the other side is, is companies are throwing perks at it. Companies are throwing perks and information and all these different resources like uh, bringing your dog to work, crazy nice PTO policies, uh, 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 the remote policy, sick day, paternity leave, maternity leave, ping pong tables, beer taps in the office. They're bringing all of these different things to the work experience. And you know what? Employees are saying, eh, it's pretty common now. It's not uncommon to go to a, a, a workspace that has coffee, that has a ping pong table that has a beer tap where I can bring my dog to work. And so when we look at the numbers, 40% of employees are saying that they in the last 12 months have looked to looked at other opportunities, fielded job offers, looked elsewhere, done research, which means that your perks and things, it's like seasoning to the meal. It can't be the steak. It's nice. What's nice to have doesn't always mean it's important. It makes you stay. I always joke around with people that are like talking about like how to, you know, do I want to get into sales? And I'm like, don't get into sales for the PTO policy. It's not why you should come here, right? Now, the other side is if the compensation is not the lever, the perks at work aren't the lever, then the last thing is people are throwing like technology, right? Most people are waking up with this next to their bed, right? They wake up with a phone in their hand. It's, It's an extension of who they are. Right? Elon Musk and Jack Ma did a, a, a keynote, actually. It was a, a, an AI conference. Um, I don't remember where it was hosted. Uh, but they talked about like the future of technology and education, a bunch of different topics. And Elon Musk talks extensively about the fact that like, we joke around it, like, when are we going to become cyborgs? And with like a very dead serious look, he's like, what do you mean? We already are. And so a lot of companies are recognizing that. And so they're trying to bring technology into the workforce so that it's congruent with their outside life. Great technology, great product, easy workflow. Do I have the resources necessary to get the job done and get the job done well? Deloitte did a study. Technology investments are up incredibly high compared to past years. However, the ROI isn't there because more technology without the right support has proven complex, disparate systems. People don't know how to utilize them, so they're putting money into the system, but the ROI is not found because they're not being more productive. Having nice things doesn't mean you move faster. I may have a bike. doesn't mean I know how to ride it. And so what we're looking at, and I'll bring this full circle for you. When we look at why data is going to be the difference between achieving your 2019 target and turning the corner into 2020, I say that because the companies that are using data to understand what are other companies offering their people? What is the average demo in our industry? Is it, is it 72% male? Is it 62% female? Is there a dominating demographic? If my workforce is 62% millennials and the rest of them are baby boomers, whatever you hear, I hear this. There's a gap in communication styles, most likely, right? There's likely a succession plan that needs to take place because half of your workforce is about to be out the door in the next 10 years, and if your millennials are about to take over and all of them are changing jobs at 18 months, how are you going to not only keep people, how are you going to groom them for leadership? And you can try on a gut. You can try on a whim. The companies that are leveraging data and benchmarking their workforce and saying, look, I value information. I value phenomenal high caliber information to help me make decisions, right? Those are the companies that are looking and saying, here's what we can correct. We've had more turnover in this part of our company. Let's look at it. Are we competitively paid? I'll work with groups and they're overpaying people, but the average wage increase on an annual basis is lower than market. What that means is that they're getting a higher raise when the the employees go to the company, but it's incrementally not sustaining the growth they want. So they get that 85K salary, but where their, their, their colleagues and their, their, neighbor, their, comp- their friends at other companies are getting a 4% raise each year, they're only getting a merit two and a half. They say, well, I'll go work there for two years or a year, get my 85, and then jump somewhere else where I can then go to 95 or 100 and use that as a stepping stone to then get my 4% a year. Companies aren't looking at these things. When you are able to access data, look at your group in a local national market to understand where your position is Data is going to be what separates you from making great decisions as you turn the corner in the last quarter of the year, because otherwise you're just trying new things in working with your gut. And I know a lot of people that make really good decisions with their gut. Some of them are phenomenal. You may be one of them, but what if the person that's really great with their gut instincts pairs their gut instincts with phenomenal data that shows them This is what's going on in the market. This is what's going on in your industry. And then they leverage that to position themselves to be competitive. I'll work with groups that are looking at healthcare to be a a means of retention. okay? And they're getting these high renewals from their carrier, 15%, 12%. I've seen as high as 86%. And what happens is their broker comes to them with three different options. They say, John, Susie, you can do this, this, or this. And they look at it and they say, wow, that's a heavy increase. It's going to add $60,000 or $150,000 to our expenses. And we, Are we going to pass it on to the employees? Are, are, are we going to just eat the cost? Are we going to share? Like, what, what do we do? We got we to close out the year. If they get this crazy increase when we renew benefits in November, maybe people will leave because they're like, I don't want to feel the cost. And then they can't hit it. And I implore groups to just take a breath. Take a step back. Acquire the right information because it's not about what the best of those three options are because those are not the only three options in the world. Those are the three options that that one broker provided you. So before you eat this crazy high increase and you pass something negative to your employees or you eat it and it goes down to your bottom line and erodes your profit by 3%, benchmark your group and say, you know what, before we commit to this this healthcare thing, I wonder what other tech companies are doing. I wonder what other law firms are doing. I wonder what other GovCons are doing. You may be surprised that maybe you're over-insuring your people. Maybe you can provide them the exact benefits they need at a more reasonable price because they're 29-year-old millennials and they're not using the healthcare. So you're giving them a $500 deductible when they're never going to go to the doctor and it's costing you an arm and a leg and they're not even using it. And so understanding why your gener- your demographics matter is because demographics use healthcare differently, right? Demographics value compensation, benefit, promotion, flexibility, experience, and, and responsibility differently at, in the workplace. And as you look to close out the year and see what worked and what didn't work, and then you look to turn that corner to 2020 to say, what did we do well last year? Did we execute And then what do we need to accomplish to accelerate in 2020 and I'll wrap with this. There's going to be some people that listen to this and watch this and they're going to think, but I don't know where I want to go. We're just trying to grow as fast as we can. And what I would say is this, there are two types of business owners and I encourage people in the comments or message me through a smoke signal, send a carrier pigeon, whatever you want. There's business a that is just trying to grow and figure things out and there's business b that is saying here's where we are i'd like to get here the data is where you grab google maps or ways it takes the data from what the traffic patterns are and helps you navigate around the construction the police the traffic blockers all those different pieces that you may not see yet are slowing you down And company A, this may not matter for you because you're just enjoying the ride. But if you're company B and you're trying to accelerate, you're trying to expedite the process of getting where you're going, whether it's growing revenues, expanding the team, if you're a GovCon and you don't really worry about how much you're netting, but you're trying to grow your top line so you can sell it a multiple and get out from under it after 25 mil, whatever your deal is, option B can take the data and use it as gasoline to correct course provide greater insights, actionable data that helps fuel new strategies, reinforce existing strategies, and put you in a position to crush the last quarter or so of 2019 and turn the corner and really position yourself to be as competitive as possible as we walk into 2020. And so thank you so much for tuning in. Episode 26 of First Floor Conversations, where the view at the top is only as good as the foundation which preserves it. My name is Jeremy Franchese. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for more.